Welcome to Campfire Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. This week, we had the pleasure of sitting down with writer and true Fortean, A.P. Strange. We discussed some of the most formative moments of his childhood, a few of his experiences with precognitive dreams, and his general outlook on Fortiana. This guy is fantastic. He's an excellent follow on every social media platform, so whatever your preferred medium is, go follow this guy and support him in everything he does. And do not forget his blog at apstrange.com. It is some of the best Fortean content on the internet. So go check it out. For now, enjoy this fireside chat with AP Strange. All right, AP Strange. First off, I just want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, we kind of first crossed paths due to our mutual friend Vuk from Tracing Owls. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Vuk's then, a connector um, of people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then it ended up, uh, I don't know, a couple months later, probably we're now both working on the writing team over at Paranormality Magazine. Yeah. Yeah, kind of wild how those things work out. So. <laughs> yeah. Just it's like you just end up uh, around the rim of the same funnel, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we are in kind of a niche uh, field of, of weirdness, so you're going to yeah. bound around the same people over and over again. But it's that's true. It it's one of the things that that kind of surprised me, I guess, when I first got into this niche is like how many you could call them sub niches there are within mm-hmm. it though you know like um it's it's almost like little clicks spread throughout the even a scene as small as ours yeah it doesn't surprise me terribly having been in clicky scenes before <laughs> yeah i mean like i i came up in playing like punk music right and it was i mean definitely a similar situation yeah right? Me too. I mean, I, I, not well. I was in a punk band a couple times, but just being in bands or music in general, and um, also performing poetry, like there was, there were all these different little groups and cliques, and you saw how the social element played on things. Um, yeah. it changes your perception of what friendship means because sometimes, like, you feel like, oh yeah, this person's my friend. Or are they just somebody that I'm in proximity to because of our shared right. interest? If I stop yeah. having an interest in this, are we still friends? You know, that's kind of a test, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't know, I think I think my earlier performance life kind of prepared me in a lot of ways to to navigate a, a niche kind of <laughs> corner of of, uh, of of culture, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the music scene is a big is a big one, right? People people just seem to like gravitate into these small groups. Have you always been a person who like 
has felt free to move from click to click, like kind of accepted in multiple? Uh, yeah, by virtue of the fact that I don't fit in entirely in any of them. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I Yeah, I've always been like that too. Like, um, so a lot of people, because I started this in like the, there's kind of a, a little click of, of paranormal podcasters. Um, and you kind of, you get it in your head that like, this is everything, right? Like this is everybody doing this. Mm -hmm. And then you find, you find one person and realize like, Oh, there's this whole other group. And then that leads you to another group and another group. And you realize that the circle you're in is way bigger than you thought it was. Yeah. I mean, um, for me, like my, my social sphere for the longest time has just been Twitter and uh, that's been changing recently for what's probably obvious reasons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter has gotten a bit musky in recent days. So yeah. um, uh, it causes you to spread out a little bit more. Um, but I always like Twitter for the basic fact that so many people are different kinds of people are on it, you know, and you can, yeah. you can, can kind of see... I mean, there's the whole hashtag UFO Twitter aspect of it that yeah. I've always been a casual observer of, and same. Occasionally a um, a haranger of, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like to I like to go kick that hornet's nest once in a while, but yeah, it's kind of at the point where it's not even fun anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just for so many years it was it was a hornet's nest just begging to be kicked. Oh, I mean, I was kicking it the whole time, but, uh, it's, yeah, I I mean, it's easy to get tunnel vision when you're on one platform and that's what you see. And particularly if you're, if, if you, uh, narrow down your focus so much that you're only talking to the same people all the time. So I I like to always play the field and I always like to see what's going on somewhere else. Um, and even just finding more people like on Instagram, just going to a different plat- platform. Like I, I hate Instagram. I just really don't like using yeah. it. <laughs> when I'm out and about, it doesn't load well on my phone. And I always see posts from people that I've never heard of that I don't follow. Yeah. A lot of things I don't like about it. But I'm getting like added by people, and I'm like meeting new cool people that pretty much only post on instagram and you're like oh you know that's cool like i never would have been aware of this person otherwise that's that's a pretty cool thing you know so what do you think of this um mastodon app i know it's like brand new pretty much but no it's been around for a while it's just people are now discovering it it. yeah um as they're fleeing twitter it's yeah there's been a huge exodus um but i mean i still am on twitter I'm just kind of, I have a morbid curiosity about it. I have this thing about sinking ships where I like to (laughs) bail out at the last minute. (laughs) Yeah. Be that final violinist. Yeah. It's uh, certainly been a train train wreck worth the rubbernecking, if only for the memes. No. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even feel sad about it at this point. Because, I mean, it it might sound silly, but it's to somebody that doesn't engage in the way that um, I have 
or you have uh, with, with something they were very interested in. Mm-hmm. And it's just that Twitter actually really did mean a lot to me. It was I met a lot of people on there. It was an opportunity for me to like talk to and interact with people that I've looked up to for a long time. Right. Uh, I went I went on Twitter specifically because I wanted to be writing about weird stuff. Like I had this huge library of books that's always getting bigger, and I'm always reading stuff. And when I find something really weird and really cool, I just want to share it with people, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't have anybody to share it with necessarily, you know. Sure. Um, so putting it on Twitter, you know, that kind of I've made some really cool friends there. You know, I've uh, p- there are people that are very dear to me now, but I never would have met otherwise. And um, I think it's awesome when I'm just kind of shooting the shit with somebody that I used to listen to their podcast all the time, and they were just yeah. a voice coming out of my truck speaker, and you're just yeah. like, you know, that I felt like I knew because I listened to them, but now I actually DM them all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's awesome. Or somebody that sure. you've read the books of since you were a teenager and you're talking to them, you know, oh, like yeah. that kind of thing is so cool, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's how I felt. We're still, I'm still working on getting the the official interview, but just like having a conversation with Alan Greenfield was like that for me. Yeah. Um, because Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts was the first UFO book I ever got. That's a ever. crazy like, entry into ufology. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. It absolutely is, and I think it's responsible for a lot of my you know off the beaten path perspectives on it because mm-hmm. that that was my first you know introduction to the whole the whole scene but i was i don't i couldn't i couldn't have been more than 14 years old when i read it yeah that's crazy and yeah and uh i was not ready for it (laughs) when i was 14 um but i you know i've been reading his stuff basically my whole life now and like just to get to sit on a zoom call and chat with him for what turned into like two and a half hours yeah, it's never yeah, it brief was, with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah never. <laughs> um, it was awesome, though. It was, yeah. So I, I understand what you mean about getting to connect with people that you've looked up to. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. And then sometimes you get to meet them and stuff. And um, it, to be able to write now and actually have my work out there and have some of these people that uh, that I've looked up to for a long time just like tell me that they enjoyed it. It's just like, oh, yeah. like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, well, cool. Because there's some of you in there. Like, your influence right. is, is in there, you know? So, yeah. Um, it, it's, our, it's super cool. So, you've, you've mainly focused on, like, blogging, right? Like, you've done quite a bit of blogging. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for lack of a better idea, I guess, <laughs> I wanted to have a place to put my writing, and uh, yeah, um, I think it was really just the first time I ever did a podcast appearance. I was like, I need to be able to direct somebody, people to to a place other than yeah. my Twitter account. So I should start a blog just to have something, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. But the goal was to write, so yeah, that's what the blog became, but. Um, I was always kind of maybe a little bit more of a perfectionist than I should have been 
it might have been better to just write more and crank more out <laughs> but yeah. I'd always just sit there and mull on things for months and be like okay here it is this is the blog post so yeah I'm not the world's most prolific writer but I try <laughs> to make it count when I do <laughs> yeah and that seems to be a lot of a lot of writers advice right is like just get things finished just like just get it out yeah yeah like, don't let uh don't let perfect be the enemy of good right R- well right and i mean like the just the excitement of being able to write for the magazine has has lit a fire under my butt in that respect where i've been writing yeah. more than i ever did you know that's so awesome that, uh, that's cool because then you get more into uh the habit of it and it yep. comes comes along easier so yeah, I th- it did the same thing for me cuz I've always I've always been a writer. That's always been the goal, right? Like you said is to write. So, um when I started writing for the magazine, just having that like it's regularly expected of me to have something finished mm-hmm. on on a time schedule, you know. Yep. It's it's made me a lot more effective. Yeah, as a writer. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm already thinking, like, uh, man, I gotta get that February one working. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been a bit of a wash lately just because it's hard for me to focus during the Christmas season. I just, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really nice to have, have sort of, sort of an expectation there because you can set goals for yourself. A lot of people are good at that me no i'm not yeah me neither (laughs) yeah so that's why when we when we started the podcast i very quickly realized that having a co-host was absolutely necessary to have like someone else to be responsible to you know what i mean yeah like i absolutely need him to be and like it's regularly back and forth where we have to be like where is it yeah like it's time right you need to need to get moving yeah it it definitely helps yeah and i mean uh the other thing i was doing was just appearing on podcasts all the time and it occurred to me at some point that uh i I did a i did a show on conspiranormal about like elvis and ufos and uh weird elvis stories i yeah i spent a lot of money and a lot of time researching that one (laughs) (laughs) and i was just like you know i put so much effort into just recording a podcast to have something to present on somebody else's podcast like i should really be writing this stuff like i could have written you know a series of articles based on all the research i did to just talk for an hour about elvis (laughs) that's that's a really cool that's an interesting subject i'm i've never really like dabbled in it is there i mean is there a lot to a lot to his like life that is tied with you know paranormal oh yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's what i found out i guess (laughs) okay well Um, okay so elvis for me um he's in the same category kind of as the loch ness monster and I, i kind of equate it with when i was a kid um some of the biggest the the biggest thrills i got besides jules verne books or um you know the cartoons that i watched 
is like going to the grocery store with my mom and seeing the weekly world news on the stand. Yeah. Because there was impossible stuff on the cover all the time. And yeah. you'd be like, yeah, but maybe like when you thumb <laughs> through it, it was always kind of like a, like, like that show that Jonathan Frakes hosted, um, uh, truth or fiction sort of thing <laughs> yeah. where you're like oh is there like some glimmer of truth to this story because occasionally they would they'd put like yeah. real stuff in there but most of it was crazy like I was Bigfoot's right. love slave or something but El- yeah. Elvis regularly figured into it when I was a kid so this is like early 90s um, yeah. and that was the height of like the Elvis is alive theories and it would okay. spill over to the other tabloids. So it'd be like National Enquirer. And then occasionally it would pop up elsewhere. You'd see it in the newspaper or, um, or like, you know, Time magazine would have some little bit about people that think Elvis is still alive. There were like TV yeah. specials about it, the one that was like hosted by Bill Bixby. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, th- that stuff, I mean, I, it was just kind of like ingrained in my mind as a young kid as being peripheral to because it was kind of in that conspiracy theory um paradigm as well so uh it's summed up pretty well by the fact that richard belzer had a book out in like 94 i think that was called ufos jfk and elvis and other uh, other other conspiracy theories you wouldn't be crazy to believe you know (laughs) yeah Uh, I mean, Belzer is like a comedian, but he's also like yeah. legit into the conspiracy stuff. Yes, yes, he is. And it comes through in the character that he played on TV, uh, That's Detect- true. Detective yeah. Munch. It's not too far yeah. from who he really is. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the proximity of Elvis to JFK assassination to UFOs. To me, yeah. that was like a big melting pot of fringe weirdness that I was maybe too young to be really cognizant of, but it fascinated me anyway, you know? Um, yeah. So, so I, yeah. I think by the time I was, you know, old enough to be picking up magazines in the in the checkout, um, which would have been like late 90s yeah. rather than early and mid, um, I think a lot of the Elvis stuff had, had passed. Yeah, right. Like, right. It wasn't real big anymore. It was, it was a lot of, a lot of UFO stuff. A lot of cattle mutilation. Yep. Stuff was in then, mm-hmm. um, and of course the like Bigfoot is my lover type stuff is right. always that's that's been in there for like forty years. And always but, Bat um, Boy. Yep, Bat Boy. True. See, I'm old enough to remember the first appearance of Bat Boy. I had yeah. the, I had that issue when I was a kid. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I currently have the second cover issue. uh, The the one where he escaped. Batboy escapes. (laughs) Um, That was his second appearance ever. It's so crazy that that was like an industry. You know what I mean? I mean, it still is. But like in the 90s, especially the 80s and 90s, I feel like Mm -hmm. it was that was like a, a full like someone went to work every day. And got to write stories about Batboy. Yep. Just like pure fiction. Yeah, but it was super entertaining. Yeah. Um, But I mean, at the same time, like I had had paranormal experiences as a kid. Like some of my earliest memories are paranormal experiences. 
So, okay. uh, so, so I mean, there's always been like a malleability of reality aspect to everything, and like things that just seem funny or weird. Um, I think I've just been a little bit more open to them. But uh, yeah. I, I, I think coming into the age I'm at now and becoming a father, you, I think you can relate to this when you become a dad. You're all of a sudden not so hung up on looking cool or being cool. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You kind of rediscover what it's like to to be goofy and fun and just let yeah. go. Absolutely. So, I mean, ever since... It, 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 the part of my whole thing is that I am silly as hell and I recognize that and I am totally open to really silly wacky absurd ideas and and the weirder and sillier I get the more fun I end up having with it and it seems to be the case that other people enjoy that too so (laughs) yeah absolutely I think I think that like willingness to be just silly and and talk about things that you know other people aren't talking about for fear of looking silly, right? A lot of people will skip over ideas. But I think that's like a, a big part of of why you're so followed and so like appreciated in the scene is because you I mean you're like you said, you're silly as hell. Like and <laughs> it's fun. You know what I mean? Like following you on Twitter is fun. It's literally like it's honestly a fun experience. Yeah, I mean, um, I, w- I would hope so, and because I yeah. I do I do sweat it, you know. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> there are yeah. days when I'm just really not feeling it, and it happens a lot more nowadays. And then I feel bad because I'm like, oh man, I feel like it's kind of part of my job to make people chuckle, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I know there's people <laughs> that are followed by posts that are going to worry about me if I don't post today. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I gotta come up with and something like, funny. Yeah. Oh, here's a that, demon like, that looks like a puppy with wings. Check it out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, but that um, that transition you're talking about, when especially when you have kids, like that's a that's a significant transition, especially for people like you and I who came from like playing music most mm-hmm. of our young lives, right? Because when you're in the music scene, so much of your energy is devoted to like making sure you look cool mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah like and not necessarily like aesthetically but just in general that you come off as like cool right right yeah and then when you you get to that stage and you're like wow none of that actually matters yeah. <laughs> like i i think yeah. i I, you know, I think i managed to dodge a lot of that too because i was very silly as a musician and a poet as well <laughs> yeah i mean i did more serious stuff i think i think i had like a 50 50 back then but i maybe took myself too seriously as as a musician but um i lightened up over time so yeah that's good yeah so it was more of a gradual transition for you i guess so yeah Yeah. but i mean even getting into writing and stuff about the paranormal it took me kind of a while before it clicked that like you know what if i just go all in on being as weird as i actually am uh people will follow me there yeah because i thought i thought for a while people would just start looking at my posts and say oh this guy's just nuts like i don't want to follow him anymore like i'm I'm worried about this guy but (laughs) (laughs) um uh no that's actually not the case 
And I mean, I still haven't... Uh, there are still things that are way too weird that I don't share. Sure. So I'm just like, you know what? Uh, you guys, like, I, I do... I say and do a lot of weird and uh, silly stuff on here, but you have no idea how weird and silly it really gets. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you, you should try living with me. Right. <laughs> You'd have an idea. Um, yeah, that's one thing that, like, Ryan and I have discovered over a year, the first year of doing the show, is, like, because we started out, like, very serious. Very, like, we're going we're gonna to stay on topic. Mm-hmm. As you know, the whole time we're going to be very like serious about it. But we've found over the first year that like the more we just be our authentic selves, you know, and like joke around and get silly and like th- the more people respond. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, people don't want to hear like you reading your thesis for an hour. You know right. what I mean? That's like, I mean, that. It can be interesting, right? But you better have something goddamn brilliant to say if you're going to present it like that, you know? So what I've come to find, and it's not universally true, but uh, I, I think the people that are very, very serious all the time invariably end up being the butt of the joke. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like yeah. they become you're not part of the, the joke. joke, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So yep. uh, if you can't laugh at yourself, then you're doing something wrong is kind of the way I look at it. So, yeah. If you can't laugh at yourself, someone's going to. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's why I take my silly, my silly, I take my silliness very seriously. I try to I think of it <laughs> as a part of my emotional hygiene. It's got to be yeah. there, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned just offhandedly that you had some paranormal experiences early in life. Mm -hmm. Would you mind talking about some of those? Sure. I'd love to hear some of the, the events that, you know, had an impact on you as a child. Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, it was almost entirely poltergeist stuff, but, um, I mean, the earliest one, I don't know. Like, I don't know, I'm almost at the point of putting a moratorium on telling the story because I end up telling it every time somebody asks me this question. But yeah. um, I'll give you the, the rundown. It is a pair, of, a pair of luminous entities at the foot of my bed when I was, like, between the age somewhere of three and five. Um, okay. And I know that there were two distinct forms of light might have been one entity that just looked like that or it could have been two and they asked me a a series of um, really mundane questions like who I was what my name was what I was doing there and I was answering them and not too scared and I kind of wanted to play with them you know right and uh, when I made a declarative statement about it being my room because they're like well what are you doing here and I'm just like this is my room I live here they started going out the window like for some reason that made them leave and okay. I wanted them to come back because I wanted to ask them questions I was like yeah my turn to play and um, mm-hmm. but instead I got really sleepy and then I could see myself fall onto the pillow and I followed them out the window 
So Ooh. it was kind of like an astral projection where I saw okay. my actual physical form hit the pillow as I was being pulled backwards out the window. Interesting. And, and then the next thing I was cognizant of was a bunch of balloons. And when the balloons moved out of the way, I could see the inside of a McDonald's. And um, a bunch of, like a bunch of kids that looked like me and my brother and some of our friends with like party hats on like it's somebody's birthday and then the it was almost like in a movie where a camera pulls back and you can see the outside of the building now and you're going up into the sky and I could see that it was a McDonald's right in the center of my town yeah um, and the only problem with that was there was no McDonald's in the center of my town at that time um, okay. And I probably went on thinking of it as a dream, but it always like stuck with me. Uh, and then years later, they actually built a McDonald's in that exact spot. And wow. I ended up having a birthday party there. My brother and I, because we have the same birthday, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, that, that, that's probably informed my ideas about things. And I mean, up until recent years where I started coming out and publicly talking about stuff, I never really told that story too often. Because um, who are you going to tell that story to in your day-to-day life? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> that was the short version of it, and it still felt like kind of a lot. Because I try to make sure no, all the details are still there, but... Yeah. That's, it's, okay, so... You have the entities, right? Mm-hmm. And they sort of trigger an out-of-body experience perhaps um i mean i'm just yeah yeah the encounter with them precipitated that that. yeah yeah i've analyzed it enough times in retelling that like i there's you try to find ways to talk about it that doesn't presume anything yeah that's fair um uh, because i used to say oh well there were these orbs at the end of my bed okay and like orbs are a whole thing in the paranormal, right? Sure. Yeah. And people have strong feelings about orbs. And yes. uh, it's funny because if I mention orbs on Twitter, all of a sudden I'm getting like orb obsessed people talking yeah. about all the orbs they see that they're in contact with. I'm like, you know, okay, you know, maybe it's settle down. On here. Yeah, what what am I doing? Yeah. And then you have all the other people that are like orbs, just specks of dust that people catch on yeah. film. Um. And that's one of those two things would be conjured, and it kind of occurred to me like they weren't spherical objects, though. I think everybody's getting the wrong picture here. I don't. I just always use the word orb. That's not what they were, you know. Yeah. Um, So I had to started to become really a lot more careful about the words I chose to use. Um, That makes sense. I I used to think of them as gloves when I was a little kid. The first, the first. description I used of them was gloves because the two points of white in the darkness made me think of like the gloves that Mickey Mouse wore oh okay and that's how I responded to it was with as though Mickey Mouse was at the end of my bed yeah that's what I found most interesting about the story was that like you didn't experience any fear no connection with this right you were just you were into it it was literally like Mickey Mouse showed up at the end of my bed yeah to me that that but that's the feeling it's not like it sounded like mickey mouse it's not like it right. literally looked like cartoon gloves 
right. but but that's the that that's the feeling that was evoked from it. So, but then when I tell the story and I say it was like gloves, now people have a picture of gloved hands right. that are disembodied, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 now somebody's got the complete wrong idea, you know. Right. Um, so it can happen, and it, it it's kind of when when you're an experiencer and a researcher you kind of start to notice these things and you're like how many mm-hmm. cases have everybody read and gotten totally the wrong idea yeah because it was really yeah. just the one person you know um that took down the in- in- account and wrote down their description of what they thought the person saw yeah and everybody else repeated that you know yeah so and how much of the experiencers' feelings were mistaken for their for what they saw, right? Like, yeah, that, yeah, just like like you were just explaining. It's no wonder I became a poet later because I always right. <laughs> it seems like I I had a really hard time expressing things in literal terms. I always come up with analogies and metaphors for things, and I, yeah. I'd rather try to express everything in one jump. So saying Mickey Mouse's gloves to me was a lot more um, kind of kind of captured everything, but then yeah. you don't realize that that's misleading to somebody that's going to take it literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So because yeah. especially as a three to five year old, you around that age, like you're all feelings. Mm-hmm. It's that I mean that's pretty much all you have, right? Is especially remembering something from that point of your life. Most of the vast majority of your memory has to be your emotional state, right? During it. Yeah, I guess. And I can't say I remember a ton from that age, you know? But Right. And I always I think a lot of people write things off like like you said, you kinda just went on as if it were a dream. But I I feel like if something sticks with you over, you know, twenty, thirty years, it's to me that's a sign that it was that it was something more right mm. at least to you well i don't know i still remember scary. nightmares i had when i was that age do you yeah oh yeah <laughs> wow. but um uh yeah well so the what what made it stick with me cuz i mean i kind of cut you off when you were saying it but okay so some type of entity at the end of the bed some type of yeah. communication and a playfulness on my part and what seemed to be a detached kind of observer sort of thing going on on the part of whatever the hell that was right and they leave i feel like there's something important to the fact that they left right after i said you know like like this is my room it belongs to me you know like um but yeah then you have this whole astral projection kind of detachment part which yeah. brought me to the future, I guess. Yeah, and That's... not 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 an exact copy of what was to be, but something that kind of summed it up. Like yeah. I did end up having a birthday party at a McDonald's that at that point hadn't existed yet. Um, but uh, you know the balloons were different. Like you know sure. we didn't have party hats; it was just a bunch of us there. You know. But then, yeah. so there were images that were filled in in the dream to make it more obvious, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. To convey the message to you. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that, you got a, it's a whole pile of things going on. But the premonition aspect of it was the part that made me think, like, 
okay, well, even if it was just a dream, even if I dreamt that whole other part of it, like, yeah, I still saw the future, which is yeah, it's still crazy. a prophetic dream, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind which of is informed, wild in itself. Yeah. That kind of informed a lot of what my reality was from an early age. Um, that so, and some of the family stories, but how much time was it in between this experience and the, you know, the prophecy, if you will, coming true? See that I don't know. It's really hard to like figure out exactly when things happened. Yeah. Like I give an age range now because I always assumed since I was on the top bunk in bunk beds that I couldn't have been like a toddler. Um, but, and I knew my brother was on the bottom bunk because he was younger than me. And, yeah. uh, and uh, I got the... I ended up learning from my folks that he got put in a bed like younger than I did and most kids do because he was just like refused to sleep in a crib anymore. So <laughs> yeah. I could have been younger <laughs> than I thought up on the top bunk. Um, gotcha. I also really don't know what year that McDonald's was built. Uh, and you know how old I was when we had a party there so um, yeah yeah, I mean it was a good couple years though it was definitely a matter of years you know yeah um but yeah and then post that happening there was a lot of poltergeist activity at the house I grew up in so I mean that first experience that's a big experience for someone that age right like that's I mean just one aspect of that alone would be a good a good story mm-hmm. like a, a solid paranormal experience right but like to have the entity plus the OBE plus the you know prophetic nature of it like that's a lot yeah it's yeah it's compounded <laughs> yeah compounded absolutely weirdness. yeah um, but if it was just one of any of the other things like if I just had an OBE, I'd be like, wow, I just had a crazy dream that I was flying. You know? Yeah. Like the, the prophecy part of it is the only part that, that gives you some kind of tangible result, you know? Gotcha. Well, I guess tangible is like, not the right word, but like verifiable kind of, right. It made know. it feel more valid to you. Well, it blew my mind, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> are, are prophetic dreams a thing that has stuck with you? Like, is that something you've experienced more than just that one time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's gotten much worse since I've gotten old. Worse or better? (laughs) Uh, It's become more frequent. Gotcha. And sometimes that can be terrifying. So Yeah. Um, I mean, that makes sense. If you talk to people that have premonitions all the time they can tell you it's not a fun ride all the time. Yeah. Especially when it's always bad stuff, you know? Sure. Yep. Uh, I, like I had one a year or two ago, a couple of years ago at this point, uh, that knocked the wind out of me really. Like it was, I had a dream that I was walking through like an arid city that I've never been in before. It looked like it was kind of, uh, just foreign to me but it was all blown up i was like i thought there was a fire or something but then there were cars that were upside down and i couldn't figure out what happened in this place or where i was and then i woke up and i'm like that was 
what the hell was that? A really strange dream. So I, I roll over and go back to sleep. And right back into the same dream. And I don't recognize the place. It seems like it must be... Uh, the climate is different. The sky looks different. Like, nothing looks right. And again, I'm almost like had to be an explosion. Like a bomb or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, woke up again. Got up. Got a glass of water. Used the bathroom. Come back to bed. I'm like, I should probably write that down. But I'm really tired. Go back to sleep. A third time. Right back into the same dream. So the next day, I don't think much of it. And th- the day after that, I'm about to leave for work. And my wife says to me, oh, yeah, I had this dream that I woke up from this morning. And it was a really good dream. And I just wanted to go back to sleep and go back in the dream. And I was like, ah, oh, like that triggered the memory. I was like, yeah. you know, I had this really weird dream the other night that I just went back into twice. Like there were three times total that I was just wandering. And I explained the whole thing to her. I go to work, and later that day, I get a buzz on my phone. It's always on vibrate, buzz. Pick it up. Mm-hmm. News alert on Twitter. And I open it up, and it was about the explosion in Beirut. And I didn't even mean to, like, open it. I just kind of accidentally hit it, and it was showing me a live news feed from somebody, you know, on the ground, basically using their cell phone to show you the destruction. And it was exactly what I saw in the dream. <laughs> That's wild, <laughs> and uh, and I'm like looking at this on my phone, and like I had to like sit down, and yeah. um, what was I? I guess what I didn't anticipate was I almost felt like I owned a store that was on that block at, that got blown up, or that like wow. my home was nearby, or that I didn't yeah. know where my kids were. You know, like I felt this yeah. crazy, empathetic, like. Um, like sadness and just uh yeah, connection like fear and yeah yeah um i don't know anybody that lives in lebanon <laughs> you know? i don't feel like i have any connection to the place but um yeah premonitions aren't all fun and games i think yeah. that's one way to identify charlatanism is if people can be very aloof and sure. glib about it they're probably yep. not the real deal because when <laughs> Like I'm actually tearing up a little bit thinking about it because it was. I mean, it yeah. it, it it hurt me. You know, it hurt to see. Yeah. <laughs> um. To yeah. be in that destruction. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. kind of felt like in the dream. I felt just felt detached. Like, what is this? Yeah. But um, when it had to have it confirmed was like, like yeah. um, you know, taking knocking my knees out. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. that's powerful yeah I, th- I feel like that that connection is like you said is that's a way to spot someone who's genuine right like that I have friends who have who've had prophetic dreams about like the loss of family members and and things like that and like really deeply powerful things that were on the horizon mm. for them that they you know didn't realize and whether that's you know, dealing with subconscious, you know, thoughts about what's coming and, you know, is <clears throat> up to interpretation, but that like the like emotional landscape of the dream, I think, is the most significant part, right? Yeah. 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 
I mean, I guess I can't speak for everybody, obviously, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I have spoken to, you know, I have, I have friends that are simpatico in that respect. Uh, I think about my friend SJ, uh, they regularly have this happen where they'll decide that they just don't want to go on a certain highway that day. And there'll be some crazy pile up there where a bunch of people died or something, just something horrible, you know? <laughs> But they, wow. they knew it. They could feel it all day. And it's just, you know, something nagging at them. And then when it actually happens, it's it's almost, you almost feel physically ill. Or, yeah. or um, you know, as though it happened to you. I don't know. Strange. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's crazy. So it's a blessing and a curse, <laughs> I guess, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Have you, I mean, have you had any of these experiences that have been like overwhelmingly positive? Uh, I, I think cumulatively it is all positive. Okay. Like, I, I think, um, I like talking to people that are more sensitively attuned to this stuff. Like we mentioned Fook earlier. I think yeah. he's a great example of that. Um, or my friend Stephanie Quick, I talk to her all the time. Yeah. Um, it's just people that are... Uh, there's there's a <laughs> there's a habit that some people have of co- collecting little, little pieces and little synchros here and there and, um, and you, you know, trying to pick apart every little thing. But when you look at the bigger picture, you realize that that's all formative and it's all helped to make you who you are. So even the bad stuff too, right? Yeah. Um, and good and bad are varying degrees of just the whole of the thing. So right. I, I would advise people to not, you know, miss the forest for the synchronous of trees. Cause, right. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, the, a lot of it is overwhelmingly positive uh, when you put it all together, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, I have so many stupid premonitions that uh, I'd love to hear a stupid premonition. Well, they're only stupid because they're perfectly pointless and uh, yeah. have um, just today. I was thinking about a guy I used to work with. And I was going to go take lunch. I was driving over on my lunch break, going over to a gas station to get a cup of coffee. And um, thought about this guy. And I'm like, wouldn't it be wild if I just ran into him at the gas station? Because I used to run into him there all the time. You know? Um, and sure enough, there he is. You know? <laughs> like, I'm sitting in my truck sipping on my coffee. And then he knocks on the window. He's like, hey, do I know you? <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> hadn't seen him in a while you know it's been yeah. a long time but um but stuff like that where it's like i'll get the feeling that uh i'm gonna hear from somebody or but i, I won't recognize it for what it is i'll just think like oh i haven't seen so and so in a while and then you know i'll get a letter from them or an email or <laughs> or just happen to see him you know at, when i walk into a place so those yeah. stupid ones are stupid ones are just kind of funny. They just kind of make you laugh, you know. Yeah. That that's sort of the classic thing, right? Is you think about someone for the first time in years and then your phone rings and it's them, right? Yeah, well I had that happen one day I was driving 
I was driving home basically from work, um, and it was I had like forty minutes to drive that day, and uh, I was I didn't have anything worth listening to. Like I ran out of podcasts to listen to, and didn't yeah. want to listen to the radio. And I just thought, hey, you know what? Oh, I'm gonna call my buddy Rick. I haven't talked to him in forever. Like I haven't like a couple of years. I just called him up for no reason at all, just because I was bored and wanted something to do while I was driving. And he's just like he doesn't he doesn't live near me, um, mm-hmm. but he just happened to be like in my hometown for the day because he was doing something there, and he was wow. just like. He's like, oh, hey, like, uh, like I'm in Worcester, and I'm like, why? <laughs> what are you doing in Worcester? <laughs> He's like, oh, I thought yeah. you, I thought that's why you were calling me, like, you know, because you knew yeah. I'd be around. I'm like, nope, didn't know that, but you want to meet up now, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I'm coming home from work, so, like, you want to yeah, drop by, cool. yeah, stuff like that. It's just like, what are the odds? The guy's never, you know, yeah, around where I am, you know, so yeah. So I was going to ask, like, when you have when you have these dreams, the prophetic dreams, um, is there something that indicates to you that they're going to be prophetic or like before they come true? Or do you re- do you not realize until until it comes true? Uh, yeah, I'm usually kind of blindsided by it, but there is a, a typically I think that Beirut one was really abnormal for me because it was quite literally verbatim what I saw on my phone that day was what I saw in the dream. Like That almost never happens. Usually it's kind of symbolic or I have the basic representation of what's going to come. But there's a certain kind of like pit in your stomach feeling you get when it's when you know that there's something to it. And for me, part of it is just remembering it at all. Like, I often don't remember my dreams. So if I do remember it pretty clearly, that already tells me it's significant, you know? Um, But yeah, there's there's an emotion that goes with it. It's kind of hard to describe, but... Yeah. um, I think pit in your stomach is a pretty good good explanation. It's just like this overwhelming intuition that like what just happened matters right Right. yeah Yeah. and then sometimes i have to think about it a lot and i mean i've had stuff happen where all of a sudden it clicks and i go oh that's what that meant you know yeah (laughs) that's what that feeling (laughs) was all about so it's not like you can fine-tune it you know and that's why i right that's why i haven't won the lottery or anything (laughs) yeah (laughs) not for lack of trying i will tell you that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's like every time I every time I talk to someone who who has these experiences who whether it's prophetic dreams or people who are like uniquely capable with tarot cards or people who you know um whatever the we'll call it ability for you know lack of a better term is I always am left wishing like man I just I wish there was like a a real life version of like a professor x to like yeah to like help these people like fine tune there you know what I mean because well, there it, is. it always seems to be, there, there actually yeah. is though I mean there are places and institutes where you can go to kind of um 
you figure this stuff out. Like there, I think there's, I don't know if it's the Ryan Institute anymore, but they're basically the what's left of of what JB and Louisa Ryan developed at Duke. Yeah. I don't think it's at Duke anymore, but there's like a Ryan Center, you know. And there's plenty of people that teach this kind of stuff. You just have to find. I would recommend anybody to find a teacher, you know, of some kind. Yeah. Just make sure you're not getting grifted, but. Yeah, um, that, that's always the danger with stuff like this, right? But yeah, I mean, there are ways to. For me, it's been more more a matter of just living with it, trying to figure out how to live with it, you know. Um, yeah. And I I did a fair amount of tarot reading when I was younger. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure what exactly it is that tipped the scales to make me a little bit more uh, psychic. <laughs> for lack of a better yeah. term. <laughs> um, but I mean, having grown up with poltergeist activity, I always associated that with psychokinesis and thought it was just my subconscious was moving things physically in, in the environment. So um, I don't get that happening anymore, but instead I get more spider sense and yeah, uh, <laughs> that <laughs> weird little prophetic dreams and stuff like that so yeah but i also interpret things from my environment kind of geo geomancy kind of idea um yeah what i refer to as messages from the cosmos i don't know if everybody yeah. picks up on that when i when i use that term but uh i picked one that intentionally i intentionally picked one to that sounded a bit grandiose and silly but yeah <laughs> But for me, generally, it's like finding playing cards on the ground, you know, right? Like a random yeah. playing card laying out, because you can you can divine something from that, you know, yeah. or or uh, out an out of the ordinary animal encounter is one of the ones that I like. Um, out of the ordinary animal, like, what do you mean by that exactly? Uh, an animal where it shouldn't be, an animal that you don't typically ever see. Um something that uh, kind of crosses your path you know because so I mean it's divining things from your environment things that are happening around you are symbolic of something right yeah so I was having a lot of pheasant synchronicities somewhat recently interesting (laughs) (laughs) see I have a friend um, Joy Johns who does um she like mainly she does a lot of like tarot and other forms of divination but she does these things that she calls chaos readings Mm -hmm. where she basically will just go on a hike and will you'll like be on a call with her while she's on a hike and it's just she just picks things basically from her environment and interprets them yeah that's essentially what I'm talking about yeah yeah and she's like super knowledgeable about. I think she like she went to school for botany. Mm-hmm. She like so like she knows all these like you know histories of whatever she's encountering. She like knows all about them. So in like out in nature, she just like turns them into it's 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 something you have to like experience right. to get the full you know yeah. But yeah, that's what that reminds me of. Yeah, I mean, I do it as a form of mindfulness i guess in my day-to-day life so every once in a while 
it's not like I take time out of my day to just survey and find symbols. It's something will right. pop out at me, and I'm like, oh, that's significant. Make a note of it. And then yeah. I think about it later. And if I can, I usually get a picture. But yeah, I find an abnormal amount of playing cards. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I find I, more playing I, cards than anybody has a right to just lying around <laughs> out in the world. But I think it's really cool that just like the idea of going through something as mundane as like going for a walk as you know through the like experiencing it through that lens that more like mindful like paying attention right that's what it's all about is paying attention yeah there's so little of paying attention going on in most people's days yeah you know what i mean you kind of just like operate on autopilot for a lot of the day Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but um there's interconnectedness in the world um, there's invisible threads that hold everything together so it's not by accident that you're happening to see like a fox cross the road in the morning like that's that's invariably tied to something else that's going on on the other side of the world that you have access to if you're paying attention (laughs) and it sounds crazy or or it's connected to an event that has yet to come it just hasn't happened yeah. yet um i like uh, that for me it's a combination of just interpretation symbolically of things that i'm seeing right in front of me and thinking about th- the causal factors that would lead that to be that where it is at the moment that you saw it right yeah. in order for me to be in the place where i am right now like what had to happen in that order what things slowed me down today because I would have been here earlier and missed that fox right you know? um, uh, yeah or you th- <laughs> because you can and then you start thinking about what would have happened if uh, that didn't happen you know Yeah. so when you start thinking about reality that way you think about like how uncanny it is that anything even happens at all any particular right. thing that happens to you throughout the day only happened because it relied on everything else that's ever happened having happened. Yeah. Exactly the way it happened. Man. <laughs> yeah. So all it takes is noticing really small things that, and recognizing that those very small things are actually important. They're actually mirrors of very large things. That That's such a, like... that's such a strong case for design in general you know Mm -hmm. like i i think i what i really appreciate about that view is it's like it's so full of wonder yeah you know what i mean it's pure wonder like yeah yeah because uh, like every little thing matters yeah yep i mean i defy anybody to try to look at the world that way because I don't yeah. think it's going to be easy for most people. I think I had an epiphany yeah. one day when I saw a bumblebee fly by and land on something, and I was just like, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what God is, man. It's yeah. the bumblebee. I, I wasn't stoned, in case anybody's wondering. I just like sure. had this moment where I saw a bumblebee land on a plant, and I'm like, how could anybody deny the existence of God? You know, yeah. and I'm not like a religious person, but that was the thought I had. And sure. I'm just like, because I think of God as being like the cosmos, as all, as everything, you know? Yeah. Everything is a little piece of the bigger 
whole. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, yeah, I'm on the same page. Yeah. So I've been thinking about things that way pretty much since. So yeah. I, I don't expect people to understand. I mean, they can think I'm ranting like a crazy person right now. And But I, I You I used challenge- to be a poet. You're allowed to say shit like this. <laughs> <laughs> it was a visionary experience, goddammit. I, I will... Yeah, no, I challenge people just to, you know, notice what's going on around and like really yeah. think about things sometimes you know um uh, and and uh yeah uh, that's all i ever hope to do is inspire people to wonder about things because i think wonder is is sorely lacking in a world where people yeah. are because of the society we live in are beaten down to be <laughs> uh you know, either practically minded or going into wild abandon and excess to try to fill the void. Yeah. And there's, there's a third path, you know, there's a middle path and that's just wonder. You can sit in silence and just wonder at the fact that you exist at all. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a really good message to end on. I like that. I like it. All right. Um, I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Um, before we wrap up, could you just let the audience know where to find you, where to follow you, any cool know. stuff you have? I'm out? all over the place now, just because like yeah, my home base of Twitter is crumbling around me. But uh, you've been spreading out, right? Yeah. So I mean, you can find me on Instagram, apstrange23. You can uh, find my blog, apstrange.com. You can find me in Paranormality Magazine. Um. I have an article in the December issue. There will be one in the January issue. And I have a few on the website as well. Um, and yeah, the Eternal Void Boat with Jazz probably is coming back next year, I hope. I think that was the yeah. plan was January, February, maybe start recording more. Um, and yeah, I'm probably appearing on other podcasts as well. So <laughs> excellent. I'll probably be back on Tracing Owls somewhat soon yeah because Luke sure. keeps bugging me too so <laughs> <laughs> right on yep. hey thank you so much for doing this hey no I'm, problem thanks yeah. for having me yeah, yeah absolutely you're welcome back anytime all right beautiful thanks thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes. We're just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. 
It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And trust in the unknown. unknown.